ask you with a copy of God's word in hand to turn once again with me to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. We're continuing to look at the fruit of the Spirit, and today we come to, to faithfulness. Not, uh, not faith in the sense of uh, believing, trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, Uh, Paul is speaking here about those who have already put their trust savingly in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's talking about what the Spirit comes to produce in the lives of believing men and women. He comes to produce faithfulness. Uh, Before we read this well-known passage again, let me lead us briefly in prayer asking for God's help. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are faithful, that you're faithful to all of the promises that you've given us in your word. We ask that you be faithful to the promise that where two or three are gathered together, that you be with them. Be with us today, and we ask for your Holy Spirit to come and minister to all of our needs. Take take your word and apply it to our hearts and our lives, as well as our congregation. And please show us afresh the fullness of grace that is given to us in the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Verses uh, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. I would, uh, I would imagine that in a group this size that uh, some of you at least have been uh, out to Wyoming to see uh, Old Faithful, that famous uh, geyser in Yellowstone National Park. I hope to make it myself one day. Old Faithful. It received that name when members of of an expedition team were staying in that area and and they began to to realize that its its eruptions happened at regular intervals. And, And they began to predict when it would occur almost down to the minute. It was predictable. It became reliable. It earned the name Old Faithful. And uh, the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. You know, as, as, as we begin to think about this together, I think we need to first of all recognize that this is, this is a quality of, of the Lord Jesus. It's a character of, of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the faithful one. He is faithful and true. He is the faithful high priest of his people. Jesus is faithful. And the fruit of the Spirit is a description of likeness to our Lord Jesus Christ. The the Spirit who indwells the lives of believing men and women is the Spirit of Christ. And the Spirit of Christ comes to, to change and transform lives that they might reflect something of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's 
part of the great predestinating purpose of God the Father that men and women and boys and girls would be transformed and conformed to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And so this is what God intends to do, brothers and sisters, in, 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 in your life and in my life. It's, it's nothing less than God transforming his people into the likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think there's another maybe perspective for us to consider here too. And we, this is what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. To, to see the characteristic of faithfulness in, in light of, of the character of God. Because it's not just that faithfulness was manifested in, in the incarnate life of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it's also that, that God himself is faithful. You know, Paul says in, is it 1 Corinthians 10, God is faithful and, and, and therefore will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. God is faithful. It's who, it's, it's what he is by nature. Intrinsically so. He is undyingly reliable. He is unwaveringly trustworthy. He is is loyal. You can can count on him. He, He will never fail you. God is faithful. God, if if I can speak this way reverently, God would have to un-God himself in order to stop being faithful because faithful is who God is. The Bible mentions two primary ways. We could think about a lot of ways, but two primary ways God shows his faithfulness. God God is faithful to his character. Who God is, he always is. He never stops being who he is. He never changes. There is no shadow or shifting due to to change in God. Remember what Paul says in 2 Timothy. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for God cannot deny himself. He's faithful to his character. And and when you ponder that for a moment, you realize what what a glorious truth that is because in this ever-changing world, this ever-let-you-down, leave-you-disappointed world. God never changes. He's always faithful to his own character. God is also faithful to his promises. What does Paul Paul say? He says uh, the promises of God are are yes and, and amen in Jesus Christ. No word that God has spoken is ever going or ever has fallen to the ground. No no word that he has spoken, no word that he is speaking to us today returns void. All of his promises are true. His promises of salvation. His promise of judgment. His his promise to to one day right every wrong and to make all things new. What what's Paul saying? He he's saying I think in you know in his his Hebrew mind, 
all of the promises of God are yes, and let me underline that, are yes and yes again in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so God is faithful, and you see, he purposes to produce the grace of faithfulness among the people of God. Remember when the Lord appeared to Moses in Exodus 34. The Lord, the Lord, and among other things he revealed, the Lord who is steadfast in love and faithful. That's, that's who God is. He's a God of covenant love and faithfulness. And as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, one of the things I think we need to hear today is that like the, like the father in the book of Proverbs, speaking to his child, in Proverbs 3, 3, our Heavenly Father is saying to his children today, adorn yourselves with steadfast love and faithfulness. Wear it like a necklace around your neck. What I am by nature, you are by grace to be. See, the Lord our God is a God of steadfast love and faithfulness, and therefore we too are to be a people by grace, filled with steadfast love and faithfulness. So let's explore this together today. I want to explore this by asking a question. What, what will it mean for us to be faithful and I want to try to unpack that question by thinking about three words that I think shed light on different aspects of what faithfulness is. The first word is trustworthiness. I think it's, what is it, Proverbs 12, 12. The Lord abhors a dishonest scale but he takes delight in honest scales. Takes delight in honesty. You know, what's the image there in that verse? It's uh, those old scales in the marketplace where, you know, you'd put, uh, you'd put half a pound on one side in order to, to weigh a product. And, and when the scale leveled, you had half a pound. Unless, of course, the weight that you're putting on the scale is not half a pound. Right? eight ounces. Instead, it's six or seven ounces. And Proverbs is telling us the Lord abhors that kind of dishonesty, but he delights in trustworthiness. He delights in honesty. Story I, I came across this week, I, I thought illustrated this so well. Um, it comes from Sports Illustrated magazine back in 2010. I think it illustrates trustworthiness as a you know, as a, as a characteristic of, of Jesus' likeness. Here's how the story goes. It's a story about the honesty of a seven-year-old baseball player that landed him in the pages of Sports Illustrated. It was a t-ball game in uh, Wellington, Florida. And the story uh, reads this way. First baseman Tanner Munsey fielded a ground ball and tried to tag a runner going from first base to second. Uh, the umpire, Laura Benson, called the runner out, but Tanner immediately approached her and said, Ma'am, I didn't tag the runner. Benson awarded the runner second base, and Tanner's coach gave him the game ball for his honesty. Now, two weeks later, 
Fast forward, when Benson was once again umpiring and Tanner, this time playing shortstop, a similar play occurred. And this time, Benson thought Tanner had missed the tag on a runner going to third, and she called the runner safe. Tanner glanced at Benson and without saying a word, flipped the ball to the catcher and returned to his position. Benson sensed something was wrong, and, and so she asked Tanner, did you tag the runner? And she said, or sorry, he said, yes. Benson then called the runner out. Now you can imagine the coach of the opposing team at this point was uh, making quite a ruckus, protesting wildly, until Benson explained what had happened two weeks earlier, demonstrating that Tanner Munsey is honest. He's trustworthy. If he says he tagged him, then he tagged him. Now I know, you know, this is a t-ball game we're talking about here. But I think, I think it illustrates, friends, what, what we are to be in, in all of life. And it's one of the graces of the Spirit, that the Spirit comes to produce in the lives of God's people. It's a, it's a Jesus quality. Someone you can trust. Someone who's trustworthy, someone who's, who's honest, someone who doesn't, doesn't twist or, or shade the truth for their own advantage. Somebody who's willing to be honest even when it's not to their own advantage. And so I put it to you, the question, are, are, you, are you honest? Are you honest even when it isn't to your benefit, like, like little Tanner? Are you trustworthy? Here's the second word, dependability. A faithful person is trustworthy and dependable. Think about old faithful again. You know, people, Wyoming's not exactly, uh, you know, just a couple miles down the road. People drive miles and miles and hours and hours to go see old faithful, and they pay lots of money to do it, and, and they expect old faithful to do its thing. And it will do its thing. Because it's dependable. It's, it's reliable. Of course, as we think about this virtue, Jesus is the greatest example of dependability that this, this world has ever seen and ever will see. He's utterly reliable and dependable. If there's one thing we should understand when we reflect upon the life and ministry of Christ, it's that you can count on Jesus that he will not fail his people, that he will never abandon his people, that he will never stop being utterly dependable because he has already proved his faithfulness to us. When, uh, when being the savior of God's people required the son of God to be made sin for us, he, he didn't turn back, he didn't, he didn't quit he was faithful. He was, he was faithful to the very end. He was, he was faithful unto death, even death on a cross. So we need to understand as well, though, as the, as the author of Hebrews says, he wasn't just faithful in his earthly ministry, but he remains a faithful Savior who sits at the right hand of God the Father. And what does, what does Hebrews say? We have a faithful high priest 
whoever lives to make intercession for us, whose, whose heart is fixed upon the salvation and the well-being of his people. He's utterly dependable. He never fails or lets his people down. But you see, as we're thinking about the fruit of the Spirit, what we, what we need to see is Jesus intends by his Spirit to make us a people who are like him. A people who are faithful like that, dependable and reliable in our relationships. You know, we all know what it's like to be in a relationship with somebody who's not dependable, somebody who's unreliable. It's a uh, stress-inducing, it's anxiety-provoking, because we, we, don't know what, we don't know what they're going to do next. We don't know what they might fail to do next. But God wants our lives to be a reflection of the kind of dependability that has preeminently been displayed in the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. That means we're to be dependable in all of our relationships at home, in the church, in the workplace, and, and so on. Here's a third word. The third word is loyalty. So a faithful person is trustworthy, dependable, and loyal. Loyal in, in all of our relationships. Now, you know, there is, there is a kind of loyalty that's not good. Loyalty in and of itself is not always a good thing. Think of the story of uh, Jonadab and, uh, and Amnon and Tamar and Absalom. Uh, Jonadab, a counselor and friend and relative of, uh, <clears throat> of Amnon and Tamar. Uh, Tamar and Amnon, uh, half-brother, half-sister, both, both children of, of King David. And, and you remember what happened in that story um, Jonadab fell in love, or I'm sorry, Amnon fell in love with his half-sister Tamar, and he desired her. And Jonadab, well, he, he acted the faithful friend part and gave him instruction to get what he wanted. He said, why don't you, why don't you go feign sickness? You remember how that awful story unfolded? Amnon raped his sister and eventually was killed by Absalom. And all of these are children of David. You know, you think you've got problems. See, Jonadab, though, was, he was faithful. He was loyal to his friend Amnon. He, he told him what to do to get what he wanted. But you see, as we're thinking about loyalty as a fruit of the Spirit, we're talking about loyalty in relationship to the other fruit of the Spirit. Remember, we've said these are, these, these, this fruit is interdependent. They're interrelated. This is not loyalty divorced from goodness. This is loyalty informed by goodness. This isn't the kind of loyalty that says, you know, in, in the midst of troubling times and conflict, that I'm going to side with them because they're, they're kin. They're, they're flesh and blood. This is the kind of loyalty that's willing to say that was wrong. You, you, need to, you need to repent. What does Proverbs say? Faithful, faithful are the wounds of a friend. But what, about, what about our relationship 
with Christ. We're thinking here about loyalty as an aspect of faithfulness in our relationships. What about our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus calls us to be faithful to him. He says to the church in Revelation, be faithful. Be faithful to to him. Be faithful to his gospel. Be be faithful to his word. So so what what might loyalty to Jesus cost? Actually, in that same part of Revelation, in the letter to Church of Pergamum, uh, Jesus, as the speaker, mentions uh, Antipas. And he calls him my faithful witness. Uh, evidently, Antipas was, was martyred for his, his faithfulness to Jesus, his faithfulness to the gospel, his faithfulness to God's word. Eastern tradition has it that Antipas was uh, bishop of Pergamum. He lost his life for for the sake of the gospel. And Jesus calls him, what's he call him? My faithful witness. You know, church history is filled with stories like that. Of of loyalty to Jesus. Loyalty to the gospel. Um, One of my favorites is the story of Polycarp. Remember the story of Polycarp, second century? Polycarp, Polycarp knew the apostle John. That's how far back we're going here. Polycarp is 86 years old. Bishop of Smyrna. Persecution comes to Smyrna. And they take Polycarp. And they nail him to a pyre. And they set him on fire. But because of the wind currents that day, the fire didn't sufficiently catch to kill Polycarp. So soldier was sent to to stab him to death. But before Polycarp died, he, he he spoke those amazing words when he was commanded to renounce Jesus Christ as Lord and name Caesar as Lord. Do you remember what Polycarp said? Polycarp said, for 86 years, I have served my king. He's talking about Jesus For 86 years, I have served my king and he has never let me down. How, how can I renounce my king who saved me? And with those words, Polycarp gave up his life. He was loyal to Jesus. So what is the Lord Jesus demanding of you and me by way of loyalty, by by way of faithfulness today? Uh, There's a... There's a famous painting you can, you can look up sometime, not, not now. You, I'm sure you'll look it up later on Google if you're interested. It's by uh, Sir John Pointer, P-O-Y-N-T-E-R. I think that's right. British artist. And uh, <clears throat> it's a picture of the, the city of Pompeii in uh, AD 79 when Pompeii was destroyed by a volcanic blast, Mount Vesuvius. You remember Mount Vesuvius exploded in AD 79 and Pompeii was uh, <clears throat> the foot of Mount Vesuvius and the lava came and destroyed the entire city. What's interesting is for something like 200 years now, ex- excavations have been going on in, in the city of Pompeii. And uh, 
they have discovered something really, really remarkable. You know, well, you know, the, the lava is coming down from the mountain, but it's not coming down at such a rate that people can't escape, that people can't flee the city. And so what's remarkable is these excavators have discovered Roman soldiers, the remains of Roman soldiers standing guard in their place with spear and shield in hand as they were literally baked to death. I mean, it would have happened like that in a matter of seconds. And there's this painting by Sir John Pointer, and and encourage you to check it out. Um, It's a picture of this. And so you look at the painting and you can see lava coming down out of the sky, people in the streets fleeing for their lives. And the focus of the picture is is this Roman soldier who is standing there with shield and spear, holding fast, staying at his post, because that's what loyalty means. It's a picture of unwavering faithfulness. You know, um, when things get tough, the disloyal get going. When things get tough, the, the loyal stay in place. And, you know, we we admire that as a virtue of of soldiers. But you see what Paul is saying. Paul is teaching us here that the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, comes to produce something like that in the lives of believers. Loyalty to Christ. Loyalty to his word first and foremost. But then that loyalty overflows into all of our relationships into every aspect of our lives. Loyalty in our relationships, loyalty to our God-given responsibilities. And I wonder, as we think about this, can, can, people, can people say that about you and me? When they, when they look at your life, do they see faithfulness as a grace mark of your life? Trustworthiness dependability, loyalty. You know, can, they, can they look at you and say, uh, there goes old faithful. <laughs> Maybe we want to subtract the old part, but there goes, there goes faithful. This is the quality, dear friends, of, of faithfulness. Uh, trustworthiness, de- dependability, loyalty. Now, let me just make two closing applications as as we think about uh, faithfulness together. Here's the first one. By, by the grace of the Spirit, we need to be unyieldingly faithful to God's truth. This is actually in context. Remember, Paul, Paul is speaking here about the relationships within the church of Jesus Christ. And he's also speaking to a specific context in Galatia And this was the problem within the churches of Galatia. The the believers were in the perilous process of abandoning the true gospel to embrace something that is not gospel at all. They were being unfaithful to the truth and therefore they were not living in accord with the truth. And Paul Paul is calling them back from the brink. He's calling them to be faithful to the gospel of Jesus. Because you see, faithfulness to God's truth goes hand in hand with faithfulness to God's Son. 
Because Jesus is the the sum and the substance and the goal of God's truth. Faithfulness to God's truth means faithfulness to Jesus Christ. And in an age where truth is considered relative, where truth is really understood as nothing more than personal opinions, here's what I think we need to hear. We are called to be unyieldingly faithful to God's truth and God's gospel. And the good news is that God sends his spirit into our lives to make that a reality, to secure loyalty to God's word and God's son. He comes to make us unyieldingly loyal to Jesus and to the gospel of God's grace. It's actually, I think, one of the striking themes of the the book of Acts when you're on the lookout for it. The the Spirit of God comes in power upon the church. And what's one of the things that you see mark out the church in the book of Acts? It's unyielding faithfulness to Jesus Christ and his word. What what do you see? You see see people like Stephen, who in the face of death stood there and proclaimed Jesus Christ before he was stoned to death. This is what the Spirit comes to produce in the lives of believing men and women and boys and girls, loyalty to God's truth and God's Son. But as we think about applying this to our own context, we we need to see, you know, we we, we are living in in a day where there, there very well could be increasing cost for being faithful to God's truth and God's Son. Now, you know, we say that while at the same time recognizing that we have experienced, you know, a minuscule amount of suffering compared to the kind of suffering our brothers, some of our brothers and sisters have, have seen for the sake of professing the gospel. And yet, nevertheless, we we recognize we're living in a a time where there could be an increasing cost for being loyal to the truth. It it might cost you, dear friends, family relationships. As members of your family come to embrace the, the spirit of this age, the ethic of this age, which basically believes that Christians are back backwoods, homophobic bigots who deserve to be silenced and shunned. Loyalty to Jesus might might cost you friendships as your friends would, would lead you to do things that your Lord Jesus would not have you do. Loyalty to Jesus might cost us our jobs. You know, we're, we're seeing that, that more and more here in America and, and Canada. Students of medicine being refused uh, because they will one day refuse to practice abortion. Professors not being considered for, as faculty, for faculty positions because even though they have all of the qualifications, all of the right degrees, they, they, people say, because you're a Christian, we, we don't want you. And so we need to recognize that this is a reality, but we also then need to say, you know, no temporary cost for the sake of being loyal to our, Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ should keep us 
from, from hearing those words that are packed full of significance. Well done. Well done, my good and faithful servant. I actually didn't read all of what Jesus said to the church in Revelation when he said, be faithful. You know what he said? He said, be faithful unto death. That's, that's the potential cost of faithfulness that our Lord Jesus calls us to. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life, he says. So we may be called to suffer for Jesus' sake, but you see that suffering is nothing compared to the glory that awaits the children of God. Here's one other application. We need to be unyieldingly faithful to God's truth. And secondly, we need to be unyieldingly faithful to the body of Christ, to one another. Remember, Paul is speaking relationally here. That's, that's what he primarily has in view. And so we'd miss, we'd miss the big point if we didn't consider this fact that as Paul speaks about faithfulness, he's speaking about faithfulness to one another. You remember that, that great passage in, in 1 Corinthians 12 as he talks about the church as, as the body of Christ and, and says, you know, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the knee, I don't need you. The knee can't say to the foot, I, I have no need for you. Calvin says God has so ordered the church that we are all mutually dependent upon one another. We're called to be faithful to one another. And yet some, you know, Paul, Paul's recognizing a, a, a reality that's going to exist within the church where, where some people might say, I, I don't really like that foot. It's unseemly. Let's, let's keep it hidden. Let's keep it out of the way. What's really being said there is, in reality, God, I don't like what you're doing here. I don't like how you're at work in the midst of your people. And we need to understand that as I'm talking about this, I, I, I can expect some people to maybe be thinking, yeah, that's, you know, that sounds nice. It sounds like a nice theory to put in practice. Dear friends, it's, it's not a theory. It's the word of God. It's, it's what God says the church is to be. And we never have the sinful luxury of saying, you know, I'll take that arm and, 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 that knee and that eye and that ear, but not that foot, not, not that leg. I don't want anything to do with that part of the body. Because if the Father has chosen them and the Son has redeemed them and the, the Spirit of Christ dwells within their hearts, then they are your blood-bought brothers and sisters in Christ and, and you are called by God to be loyal to them. Now let me just say one one last thing here is, as we close, because the reality is we can be unfaithful and we all have been unfaithful. We've all been unfaithful in our relationships and in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and all of the other relationships in our lives. We've, we've been unfaithful. We all, we all know that if we're honest with ourselves all too well. And and trials and difficulties and troubles come into our lives and they put our faithfulness to, to Christ 
and the gospel of Christ and the word of Christ to the test. Trial by fire. We can, we can fail to be unfaithful. And I, I want you to just think about, for, for one moment, think about the Apostle Peter, the great Apostle Peter. He, he denied the Lord Jesus Christ. And so all I want to say to you today is unfaithfulness need not be the last word in your life. My friends, the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he died for your sins. And he didn't die for your sins in general. He died for your sins in particular. He died for your unfaithfulness. He, he took it to the cross. And he, and he bore the blame himself upon Calvary's tree. What's that mean for us? It means that there is, there is forgiveness. There is there is restoration with our Lord Jesus Christ. The fruit of the Spirit is, is faithfulness, trustworthiness, dependability, loyalty. May that, dear friends, may that be a grace that characterizes our lives. May, may we be known by the grace of God as a people who are faithful. Because, I mean, if we need any motivation at all, because Jesus Christ is faithful. And because he was faithful for us to the point of death, even death on a cross. You realize that the one who calls us to perhaps be faithful unto death is the one who was faithful unto death for you. And so as we look at the fruit of the Spirit, you know, my prayer has been, and I hope our prayer is, that God would, would mold us and shape us and conform us more and more to likeness to Jesus Christ. Because that's what sanctification is. It's, it's being conformed to the moral likeness of Jesus as, as God the Father seeks to, to populate the moral glory of the Son of God in the lives of those who are united to Jesus by faith. My friends, this is what God desires to do then. Transform us into the likeness of Jesus who is faithful. Who is faithful unto death. Who's utterly dependable and loyal. May, may God make us like that. For his own glory. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words that describe for, for us a gospel-shaped, Christ-centered life. And uh, Lord, we pray that by your Spirit, through the ministry of your Word, that you would indeed make us, make us faithful, make us trustworthy and dependable and loyal. We thank you for the loyalty of the Son of God to your eternal plan to save unworthy sinners like us. That he was faithful unto death. And we pray today, Heavenly Father, that to some, some real measure, our lives would image forth likeness to the Lord Jesus Christ in this area of faithfulness. We pray it in his name. Amen.